can you say that? Parnell interrupted, with his wide, charming smile. You're the head of the surgical department of a major university, a department that has fared very well in your hands, judging from the NIH grants you pull in. The conversation went round and round. Laura said no. Parnell and men said yes. Appetizer, main course, pecan pie with coffee. Will you promise to think about it? Parnell concluded. I need you to say yes, men said. I promised my wife, once immunone is approved, we're off to New Zealand. And Paul won't let me go until I have my replacement. You think about our offer, Laura, Parnell said, pulling a folded sheet of paper from his jacket pocket, handing it to her. This summarizes the elements of compensation. Salary, bonuses, stock, stock options, health benefits, use of the company aircraft, moving expense reimbursement, that kind of thing. Now I'm heading to my room. Sales meetings here in the morning to get our reps all fired up about immunone. I'm spending the night in the company's apartment on Rittenhouse Square, men said. Snow's forecasted for tonight, and I want to walk there before it starts. Are you staying in the hotel tonight, Laura? Parnell asked. In town, she said. Not, I'm staying with my boyfriend, or whatever a woman her age calls the man she's seeing. I have an early flight home to Tampa. Hope the snow holds off, Parnell said. And the ice, said Min. Back to the sunshine tomorrow morning, Laura said, as she bid good night to Parnell, collected her coat, and walked with Min to the front door. Taxi? the doorman inquired, his voice muffled by the wool scarf that all but covered his lower lip. Yes, please. Laura sniffed the frigid air, wondering if the subtle smell was that of impending snow. Men stayed by her side as the doorman stepped to the curb to hail the lone cab lurking across the street. The frail older man seemed swallowed up by his thick cashmere coat. Why wasn't he wearing a hat? You go along before these conditions get worse, she urged. Better yet, let's share the cab. Don't be silly, I'm just a block away. With a wave, men headed for the sidewalk. As Laura reached to open the cab's door, the rumble of a motor starting up distracted her. In the eerie lighting outside the hotel, she could make out a vehicle, an older-style jeep across the street, maybe a half-block away. Dark green, or camouflage, or maybe black. On the roads tonight, a jeep seemed an appropriate vehicle. As she climbed into the cab, she saw the jeep pull out into the street. "'Where to, ma'am?' her bearded, burly driver asked. Laura hesitated a moment, her attention on the jeep, now accelerating. "'Ma'am, where do you want to go?' Oh, "'Sorry, 1900 Delancey Place,' she said. "'I know it's not that far. I'll pay double.' "'Too far to be walking in those high heels, ma'am.' he said, with a chuckle. And here comes the snow. Laura leaned back into the seat and opened the window for just a second so she could feel an icy flake on her hand. She'd moved from Michigan to Florida twenty-one years ago, never missing winter at all. 
During the brief ride, Laura's mind drifted to a disturbing message from a man who had called her office in Tampa after she'd left for Washington, D.C. A man claiming he was assistant to the mayor of Detroit, whom she knew to be Coleman Young. His name was Lonnie Greenwood, a name Laura did not recognize. His reason for contacting her? His son had cystic fibrosis and needed a lung transplant. Fine, that's what she did, lung transplants. Then he'd specifically stated that she be, quote, reminded about Johnny Diggs, unquote. Johnny Diggs had died 25 years ago at the age of 18. How did she know this? She had pulled the trigger on the gun that killed him. Could this Lonnie Greenwood know?